I was on this journey of just trying to find myself again, find the person that started playing rugby and was just like free. So essentially what I was trying to do last year was just like strip it all back and be like, right, how can we get that person with all your experience to go through all this suffering again so that you get to that place again? You're listening to the England Rugby Podcast, O2 Inside Line. I'm Billy Vunipola. My name is Billy Vunipola. I play for Saracens and England. I play number eight, which is in the back row of the forwards. Some people might see you as the link between the backs and the forwards in terms of how you play. But the way I play the number eight role is I basically am another front five player. I do a lot of the work in the middle or try and help out as much as I can. Whereas some other number eights might play a bit wider away from the ruck or, or traffic. And then in defence, my role is to help the, the type five, your props and locks, as well as linking up with the backs. So be in the wider channel sometimes. Me growing up as a kid, I was very loud, wasn't great at school, enjoyed being at school with my friends. Home life, I was similar, very loud, come from a Tongan background, so very reserved people. Say we come from humble beginnings, so we're very reserved, and I probably was the opposite of that. We bounced around quite a lot, so I lived in Tonga for the first six years of my life with my grandparents. My mum and dad went to finish off their uni course. Couldn't afford to take both of us, so they took my brother, which is why I was probably louder and less inclined to listen to my elders, which is custom in the Tongan culture, because my grandparents used to let me get away with everything. And then once they came back, we moved. My dad was here playing for Tonga, picked up a contract with Pontypool in Wales. We were there for five years in Wales, my mum became a ordained minister in the Methodist church. Her first post was in Bristol, so we moved there. And that's where we started to get a little bit of traction in our rugby. I moved around quite a bit. Didn't really have many friends growing up because we were always on the move, which is something I look back on and maybe a little bit of envy of some of the boys that grew up in one spot. But also, you know, I got to travel the world a lot. And obviously, being a rugby player, I do it even more now, so something I'm really grateful for. My first experience of rugby was just being around it all the time. You know, rugby balls everywhere. Our village in Tonga was, our team was, I'd say, 100 metres away from where we lived. Training was every day after work, and my granddad used to run that team. So I was always in and around it, amongst it. And then when we went to Wales, we actually started playing it. But we started off playing touch rugby, and I was quite a big kid. So my first experience was probably standing in the middle of a pitch in Newport, and kids running circles around me and me not enjoying that experience very much. I still remember that. And my uncle's watching me and laughing. <laughs> well, I'm laughing now, so... <laughs> My name's Lloyd Spacey. I'm a PE teacher at the Castle School in Thornbury, which is in South Gloucestershire. And I taught Billy from the age of 11 to when he was 16. Obviously the first rugby practice that we had at school, stupidly I asked Billy to run at me while I was holding a tackle shield. And 
you know, I'm quite a big bloke, over 18 stone, and he just knocked me straight to the ground. This is a boy in year seven, so he's 11 years of age. So yeah, that was a bit of an eye-opener. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of kicked on ever since, really. I mean, he's been on an incredible journey, hasn't he? I watched it on TV, his debut for Wasps. They couldn't quite believe what I was seeing. You know, a young lad playing an adult's rugby and more than holding his own. I just knew sort of when he left Harrow, he'd he'd sort of get into men's rugby and, and just thrive in it. And again, his rise to the England national team was was really quick and really well-deserved, I think, as well. He, he built a really big skill set. Um, obviously, his physical dominance was there for everybody to see. And then, you know, talking about the downs, I think he'd be the first to admit that he did need a bit of a kick at the backside every now and again. He doesn't take things for granted but he just needs everybody to sort of drive him on to be the to be the player that he can be. He's a very good learner, but he needs people to to give him that push. And obviously, you know, where he is at the moment, I just hope now he can kick on and honestly be even better than he was before. I just really like the fact that the kids at my school have got this these incredible role models to look up to, Mako and Billy, actually. They all want to be the next Billy or the next Mako. It makes me proud. It makes the rugby club proud. Just wanting to realise how proud we are of both of them. I just can't wait to see what the the future holds for his rugby and for his personal life as well. Playing rugby allowed me and my brother, especially, to make friends very easily. And obviously, if you're okay at rugby or if you're good, then people tend to gravitate towards you. So we made a lot of friends through that way. And obviously, it's a big culture shock to come from Tonga to Wales. And for a lot of those differences were made closer because of rugby. We weren't great at speaking English and rugby kind of was like the buffer that we had with all of our friends. Whenever we went somewhere, we didn't know anyone. They'd always say, oh, his dad plays for Ponypool. So it made life a little bit easier. It wasn't easy, but it made it uh, a lot easier than if we didn't have it. At the time with the transition from traveling from Tonga to here, the biggest shock was the weather. You know, we always watched movies where you'd see characters, you know, like they could see their own breath, you know, because it's so cold. That was the coolest thing we thought when we landed was the fact we could pretend like we were smoking. <laughs> we didn't really enjoy it because it was freezing all the time. That was the first biggest shock. And then the toughest transition, I'd say, was for my parents was trusting my friend's parents to allow me to go for things like sleepovers because that was fairly new to us because if you were to have a sleepover back home in Tonga, you know the person inside out or most of the time you're related. So a lot of it was trying to just get our head around trusting people and allowing us as kids to learn on the run. But it was it must have been tough for my parents because culturally it's it's so far apart and so different. My biggest memory of my dad was he was constantly working. I remember he tried to dissuade us from playing rugby because he found it tough when he when he first came over. Luckily now me and my brother play at the highest level. We don't have to work after we, we train and that's the life of my dad. So, you know, we owe a lot to our parents, especially my dad for, for taking the punt and coming over here and, and doing it tough for a while because, you know, we could have just stayed at home and had an easy life, but, you know, came out here searching for opportunities to, to push our lives forwards and, and improve our lifestyle. And my dad took a brunt of sacrifice 
And a lot of it was he was always tired. You know, he'd come home and he'd be angry at us and we didn't really understand, but, you know, he was constantly working. So I'd go straight from work to training. I understand that now as an adult, but probably didn't appreciate it as much when I was younger. Well, after my first and last touch rugby experience, everything kind of accelerated. Even though I was uh, six at the time, I started playing with eight-year-olds, 11-year-olds. And for me, rugby then became like an obsession. Along with that, my dad kind of made sure that he pushed us as hard as he could so that if this is what we wanted to do, he's going to make us work for it, but also give us the best chance of fulfilling our dream, which was to get to the highest level. Luckily for me, I got a offer from Harrow School to go there, which was out of this world. Like, you could never imagine a kid from Tonga <laughs> going to Harrow School that probably housed the most famous prime minister in the world. So for me, that was an amazing opportunity, one that I couldn't turn down. My second year of, of being at Harrow, when I turned 18, I made my debut against Quinns in Abu Dhabi. We got hosed, but I remember being on that trip and being so nervous that I was actually going to play. I was so torn because I wanted to play, but at the same time, I was so scared. And Mark Lambert tried to tackle me, Quinns legend. I think he just went probably too low and his head hit my knee. And after that, I gained a little bit of confidence and, and kind of just fell into the game. And then ever since then, I think I played four games that year while still in school. And then probably too young, probably exploding onto the scene too soon as an 18-year-old. And then my journey then was injuries. I was in hospital with pneumonia, of all things, my first year out of school. And then I came back and didn't really want to push myself too hard because that's why I got pneumonia, I dropped too much weight too quickly because I came in overweight, which was no one else's fault but mine. And then second year out of school, again, I didn't. I came in, I wasn't ready, 19 years old. And then thankfully, I had a conversation with my old coaches, Peter Walton, who used to be with the RFU at under 18s level. We just had a conversation about, you know, I've got to maximize my opportunity because you, you, you don't know how fast time goes. And he's, he's not wrong. I still remember like it was yesterday and I, I just put my head down and, and tried as hard as I could for a year. You know, I always remember Lanny for this, but Stuart Lancaster, he picked me for the Argentina tour with England. That was my first, first introduction into the international scene. But again, I got ahead of myself, did really well for a year and then got dropped by him the following year for being complacent, I'd say. I'd say after 2015, I, I became, where we got knocked out, I kind of like finally had a look in the mirror and said to myself, look, if you want to do well in this game, you have to sacrifice something or everything. Since then, I, I, 2016 till about 2020, again, got ahead of myself in that Six Nations, finished fifth, probably played average to what I know I can play to. And rightly, didn't make a Lions squad, didn't make the England squad and had to bide my time for a year. But I think that year of reflection is something similar to what I went through in 2015. And something that, you know, everyone goes through doesn't make you feel better. At the same time, it's something that I think was important for me mentally. And hopefully this next year, year and a half, I can just have have the biggest 
dig and see where I get to. It's, it's not what, it doesn't sound like what how I describe it. It's more that the little things that you did to achieve your goal seem so much harder once you've achieved your goal. So for me, you know, like I was desperate to play for England for that year, my second year out of school. So I made a conscious decision to, to do everything I could to get to that position. And I got picked on the Argentina tour. And then in that summer, I kind of just didn't want to do all the things that I had done beforehand to get to the position I was in. And because I wasn't willing to do that, everyone overtook me. And essentially, I just did the bare minimum. And that's what getting ahead of yourself for me sounds like, looks like, was just I wasn't willing to put in the work that I had done before. And so the kick in the backside that I needed was probably that I got dropped. But then, unfortunately for Ben Moore, we need obviously got a severe injury, which gave me a reprieve at the time, which is probably the worst thing that could have happened. Because then that summer, we won the Prem with, with Saracens for the first time against Bath. I got injured in that Wales game, you know, the one that basically got us knocked out. And then that was when I was like, okay, I can't keep doing this where I'm just up and down, up and down. I needed to be more consistent. Probably wallowed in my self-pity on behalf of myself and the club for too long. Wasn't motivated to, to try anything new, you know, as, as we've seen recently. You know, as a consequence, I was out of the team, out of the lines, out of everything. And it'll be, it, it would have been easy to sit there and be like, I blame everyone else, but the only person to blame was myself. So I went searching a little bit for someone to help me to, you know, get out of this hole that I dug for myself. I knew I had to go outside of my family unit, which is, is quite strange for a person of the culture I come from. And outside of my faith, which is obviously a massive part of who I am as a person. And for that, I, oh, I got introduced to a guy who is, I don't know if he likes being called a psychologist, but I feel like that's what he, he did with me. We had some good conversations and a lot of what I'm saying to you now is what he told me. The unwillingness to work whilst everyone else is still working like rang true once I realized that what he said is spot on. You know, like not wanting to do the extra fitness sessions that I was doing beforehand, just doing the bare minimum to try and achieve the maximum. It took me a good year, you know? I think it was a blessing in disguise. Now I look back in hindsight that I didn't make any of the squads in the autumn or Six Nations because it gave me time to work on my mindset and being more consistent about turning up every day, not just on game day. You know, it's kind of rubber stamped in my mind now what I need to do every day. You know, sometimes I turn up to training and be like, mate, I cannot be bothered to train today. And that's the worst attitude ever because your body follows your mind. So if I'm, if I'm rolling up going like, oh mate, can't be bothered to train today, let's just go have a coffee. You know, one of those a week, it builds up adds up and that momentum that you build up on the other days is always stagnated by by that or taken away by my days where I'm not doing anything and so sometimes I have to trick my mind you know I turn up on a Monday I don't want to train and I'll be like oh I'm going to do this for my son sounds cheesy but you basically are like make your mind think yeah I'm doing this for my boy and that's the mindset I've got into is just like tricking my mind to be like on the days that I don't want to do it 
to be like, right, come on, mate. And that's something that is something that's helped me a lot to, to push forward and, and not fall into that, you know, getting ahead of myself situation again. Oh, yeah, it was unreal. It was unreal. I, I started listening to podcasts, funnily enough, about how I can be a better person as well because it helped me be a better teammate. Things like not calling people out in front of other people. I used to do that all the time. It then separates the team. So that was something I needed to improve as well. And my wife loves the fact that I talk to someone because it lets me get everything off my chest, not just rugby, but other things that I might worry about. His eyes wide open, Billy Bonapola driving for the line, scoring. I'm Marcus Smith and I play for Harlequins and England rugby. Billy Vanapola, I've only um, spent probably a year playing with him. I've known him since I was young in camp and stuff, but he was always very friendly to me when I came into camp. The way he attacks, he's got unbelievable hands. He could he could probably play a fly half um, pretty well, or very well probably, because his hands are unbelievable. And so for such a big man, that, that means he's such a threat. Ever since I've been playing with him, he, he gives me massive confidence when um, He's in the defensive line next to you. You know, he's always got your back. And off the field, he's always got time for everyone. Very approachable. And he's very family orientated as well, which which I love. And yeah, as I said, uh, he, he's, he's a great bloke on and off the field. Billy on the pitch is pretty obvious. I guess everybody sees what he's like. His ability to break open a game is, is massive. His ability to beat defenders any which way. What people probably don't see, uh, what we see every day is his feel for the game's outstanding. I'm lucky to have played with him for, for a long time. I'm Owen Farrell, uh, I'm a fly-half centre and I play for Saracens in England. Off the pitch, he's a real people person, he's, he, he loves having people around him, making people feel good, being the, the life and soul of whatever's going on. Here goes Billy, <laughs> here goes Billy, and Billy Vonapola on his debut scores. Some of the things I used to do before I kind of talked to the psychologist was that saying, so if we're in a setting of group of friends and someone's wearing, you know, terrible shoes, I'd be like, mate, what are those shoes? That's something that I needed to stop doing because I don't know how that makes that person feel. They might not be comfortable with it. And also everyone's obviously now all the attention's on him. And now I'm belittling that person just because the shoes that he's decided to wear. That's something that I didn't realise I was doing at the time until I kind of went on this journey, so to speak. So that's something that I don't do anymore. I try not to. I'd say unless I'm really close to that person, I know that we've got that relationship, got the rapport for me to be like, because they'll do the same to me. And that's the way I see it, is that if I say something, say something to that person, are they comfortable enough to say it to me? And if they are, then I'll say it. You know, you have to have that relationship to be able to do that. Whereas before, I'd just be like, you know, and I never knew how much it'd rub off on them. Sometimes I did it to my brother. And not until recently, I've talked to him and, and he's made me realise, like, how I made him feel at certain points. So that's something that I don't like thinking about what I did back then. But it's something that I've learned or learning to stamp out of my personality. My name is Marco Vunipola. I play Lucid Prop for Saracens, and Billy Vunipola is my younger brother. 
Billy, when he was younger, was very annoying, as an older brother, very cheeky. We would always fight a lot. I would win 99% of the time. The 1% he did win, he still holds up to this day. We were very close though, even though how much we fought, uh, always around each other and uh, we still are to this day. My brother's always been uh, very out of the two of us. He's been more outgoing, always had to be outside, kicking about anything. Probably the more natural sportsman in terms of football as well. In terms of being competitive, I don't want to say he's better than me at both of those. There, there was always something there that uh, made me and probably himself think that there was a good chance he'd be a sportsman. His achievements in rugby speak for themselves, not just uh, as a team playing for Saris and England, but also individually he's uh, been player, voted player of the year for club, was in the mix for player, the world player of the year as well. So uh, as a teammate on the field, he's always willing to do the tough stuff. I think as his brother, uh, having played with him, I know his worth in terms of being a teammate. He is a caring human being, and will go out of his way, probably way too much to help anyone. Uh, he always feels like that he has to be the one that puts his hand up to anyone new coming in or the young boys coming into the club. He definitely does that a lot better than I do. Not only does he do that with rugby, but he does that in life as well. So that's probably what makes me most proud of him as my brother. I was on this, I guess, like, journey of just trying to find myself again, find the person that started playing rugby and was just, like, free. So essentially what I was trying to do last year was just, like, strip it all back and be like, right, how can we get that person with all your experience to go through all this suffering again so that you get to that place again? And that's what I had to do. And... Looking back now, is kind of fun, you know, because I was just grinding with the boys every week. Jumped on a plane to Australia, and I can't tell you how much I just enjoyed being back and made sure that, like, with all the things that I'd learned coming back in, and I didn't want to be that person that I was prior to me being dropped, you know, because in hindsight, I wasn't a very good teammate. I probably wasn't, you know, very nice to be around for the boys looking back now, and I, I don't blame them. After stripping everything back, it was just me wanting to get my hands on the ball, essentially. Me just wanting to hit things, essentially, which got me to where I was before, you know. I've broken my arms four times in total, my shoulder, my knees. It's when you've got that experience and hurt, you then, like, doubt your body. And the, the rawest version of me was just like, I am, like, indestruct, undestructible, whatever the word is, sorry. And I just like run into brick walls and I needed to be that person again with all these injuries or carrying all these niggles that I never had before. So how do you get yourself to go through all that pain? You almost like protect yourself. And I wanted to get rid of that. And that was probably one of the toughest things I've ever had to do was like, right, how do you stop that feeling of going into a game thinking, oh my gosh, I could break my arm here. Those like little things can stop a player being who they were to start with. And that was another part that came into finding myself. And like I said, if you're not pushing yourself to the max, there's other people that are doing it that will surpass you. Mm -hmm.